0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the This Week in British History podcast. Before we get started, this is an audio version of the YouTube series This Week in British History, which is available on the British History Tours uh, uh, channel. So just to let you know that if you want to watch so that you also get the visuals, there is a link in the show notes on this podcast, which will give you the link to YouTube. But I've also recorded this, so in a way that I hope you can enjoy it fully, also as a podcast. All right, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of This Week in British History. If you love British history, then you are definitely in the right place. My name is Philippa Lacey-Bruhl. I run a small tour company called British History Tours, and when I'm not touring, like in 2020, <laughs> I'm also doing videos and posts and everything you might, I hope, find interesting if you love British history. So... Let's talk about this week. We're going to be looking at some of the events which happened between the 27th of July and the 2nd of August. So before I get going, first of all, you might have noticed that I'm in a different place today to, to the usual. Um, I'm, I'm not recording in my usual studio today, which is also the uh, the back bedroom in my house uh, because it's sunny, it's nice, and I decided to do something a little bit different. So I'm out in my garden. You'll be able to hear the wind chimes, you'll be able to hear the odd car. Um, I apologise already for that, but hopefully it won't distract too much from what we're talking about today. We have quite a few stories this week and some of them are I'm not going to cover in much detail because we've covered the main bulk of the story in previous weeks, but something happened in this week. So, for instance, last week we covered the abdication of Mary, Queen of Scots, the forced abdication of Mary, Queen of Scots. Well, it is in this week that her son, James VI of Scotland, was crowned. James VI of Scotland is the same man who would become, uh, eventually, James I of England on the death of Queen Elizabeth. Um, Another one, which is uh, something we're going to cover in more depth in a subsequent week. Henry VII, as Henry Tudor, set sail from France in this week in 1485. 1485, 22nd of August is the Battle of Bosworth and I'll be covering that in the week that covers the 22nd of August. But I've got some other stories for you as well. We're going to be talking about Walter Raleigh, and him bringing tobacco, or supposedly bringing back tobacco to England. I'm going to cover something about the Bank of England because it's very interesting the setup of the Bank of England, why it was set up, what its purpose was. Uh, we're going to be talking about the end of black, uh, the end of tots. So it's called Black Tots Day. So let me explain uh, to you what the Tot Day, uh, what tots are, and what Black Tot Day was. Uh, what else are we going to cover? We're going to cover the um, accession of George the First to the throne that was the beginning of the Hanoverian dynasty and the end of the Stuarts and the Doomsday Book. were So the Doomsday Book, I'm going to t- talk to you more about what the Doomsday Book was and uh, it, it was in this week that it was presented to uh, William the Conqueror, William I. Um, oh, and how could I forget, Henry VIII, marries in this week and has his chief minister executed. So we've got quite a bit to cover, so let's get started. The 27th of July, 1586 is the most common date given for tobacco to be introduced into England. Um, And it was supposed to be brought back by Sir Walter Raleigh and presented to Queen Elizabeth. Now, that is probably where the date comes from, but it's probably likely that tobacco was being smoked in England um, by, Spanish and Portuguese. Before that, what I find interesting is that not only did he uh, did uh, Raleigh bring back tobacco, but also maize and potatoes. And the reason I find that so interesting is potatoes are a big part of the British diet: um, fish and chips, roast potatoes, um, jacket potatoes. You know, I, I remember having Sunday dinners um, at people's houses when people used to do that more um, and you might have three different styles of potato on your plate. You might have roast, boiled and mash on your plate. <laughs> Potatoes are such a big part of our food culture that it is um, extraordinary to think that we've only had them for 400 years. Anyway, so that's a bit of that I find interesting. Um, so and, and yes, that not only did um, is, is Sir Walter Raleigh Uh, given credit for bringing tobacco. I don't know if credit's the right word actually, is it? But anyway, bringing tobacco to this country, but that actually perhaps it was already around. What is also interesting though, is that it was and this this isn't just then, this has been um, what I'm about to say has been, uh, I think, a truth that has been spread for, uh, until really quite recently uh, was that tobacco was good for you. tobacco could help your chest and it could help all sorts of things Um, and the reason I say that I think it was said until really quite recently is because there are um, posters from sort of around 60 70 years ago from tobacco companies giving health benefits of smoking tobacco so yeah luckily now that's uh, that's not what's uh, what's put out but There you go, so tobacco, potatoes. Thank you, Sir Walter (laughs) Raleigh. In this week in 1694, the Bank of England was granted a 12-year charter by an Act of Parliament. The Bank of England was effectively set up as a private bank to the government so that the government could borrow money to pay for things like war, and at this specific time, a war with France. It was an idea that was brought over with uh, William, um, from the Netherlands, and it was given this Royal Charter. Now, it was actually said uh, on the charter that it was granted, um, the, the bank, sorry, was founded to promote the public good and benefit of our people. Now, it said at the time, but you've got to remember that it was, the purpose was, in fact, to lend money to the government for, in this case, war, which you can obviously argue um, is protecting the people. It's for the good of the people. Let me just take a quick break here and remind you that when I get to a 1,000 subscribers I'm going to be beginning another mini-series on the monarchs of England and Britain and specifically the succession stories, how we got from one to the next and they're very interesting. So uh, please make sure you're subscribed, make sure you uh, share these videos with people that you think are interested, help me get my numbers up and then I'm going to begin that new series. Now, we can't go many weeks without talking about Henry VIII and what he did, because, you know, to be fair, he packed a lot in in his reign, didn't he? Well, this week, he, I think, almost surpassed himself. On the 28th of July 1540, he married his fifth wife, Catherine Howard, at Oatlands Palace. We know he got married a lot of times, but it was exactly the same day as his chief minister, Thomas Cromwell, was executed on Tower Hill. Now we covered the arrest of Thomas Cromwell in the week covering the 10th of June. He was arrested on the 10th of June. So you can go back and have a look at that video to find out more about Cromwell's arrest. Now a lot's been made of Cromwell's um, execution um, in that it was somehow um, bodged and that potentially the executioner was taken out the night before and got drunk and so that he would um, basically not be in the right state to do a good job now the only evidence for that is actually from um, from a contemporary who was there and uh, his name was edward hall and he said uh, that that Cromwell knelt at the block and was beheaded by a ragged and butchery miser which very ungoodly performed the office. So we can tell from that that it wasn't a good execution. In in, (laughs) Good, wrong word really isn't it? But in terms of, so it wouldn't have been a quick one strike and it's done kind of execution. We can, we can, we can surmise that. Um, but I think that's it's a very big step to then take that on to make it out to be something that it possibly probably wasn't okay so so we have Thomas Cromwell being executed on Tower Hill the same day as Henry is getting married to Catherine Howard at Oatlands Palace in a very very low-key quiet ceremony uh, overseen by or taken by the Bishop of London And um, the Bishop of London was a man called Edmund Bonner, Um, and he had previously been ambassador to France, and he had become Bishop of London, both positions with the patronage of, or via the patronage of Thomas Cromwell, but of course, you know, if you want to keep your own head, you wouldn't be speaking up for your previous friends and sponsors. Um, And Yes, so he he took the the ceremony at Oatlands Palace. Now, you might be wondering where Oatlands Palace is because it's not one potentially you would have heard of. And that's because there isn't, unfortunately, anything left of the palace now. Um, It was in the Weybridge area of Surrey. I mentioned in the introduction that it is in this week that James VI came to the throne in Scotland, and it was the 29th of July, 1567, that that happened. This is a week following, uh, following on from the forced abdication of his mother, Mary Queen of Scots, while she was a prisoner at Loch Castle um and if you want to know more about that then please look back on last week's video where i covered that so james was uh, just over 1 year old when he came to the throne as james the 6th of scotland through his mother mary he had tudor blood he was the great great grandson of henry the 7th which is why when it came to elizabeth the uh, 1st succession her will who who was going to take over after her we got James and James became James the first of England in 1603 we're turning to a naval story next the 31st of July 1970 was black tot day. now you probably all know a tot as in a tot of whiskey a tot of rum tot of whatever spirit yeah you know small amount the Navy would give rum to their sailors as a ration. It actually began as half a pint of rum, unbelievably. Not, they must have been very hardened to it because I don't think I'd be doing anything useful after half a pint of rum. And that was brought down, though, to um, what would be 70 millilitres. I don't know what that, how that would have been uh, measured before decimalisation. Anyway, <laughs> and the reason that they gave this ration was because scurvy was a big issue among sailors. Scurvy is a deficiency in vitamin C, or is caused by a deficiency in vitamin C, should I say. And um, the because there's a difficulty, you can't keep fresh fruits and vegetables on a ship. They're not gonna be fresh fruits and vegetables, are they? So the vitamin C will um, will not be there. And anyway, so so sailors, there's a big issue. Now, actually, something that you can preserve are your citrus fruits. So they would have uh, lime, lime juice and so the rum was a, uh, a vehicle for the lime juice for them to get their vitamin C very high in lime juice. Uh, but in 1970 it was decided that they no longer needed to give the Navy their ration of rum and the ration of rum had been a daily ration of 70 milliliters of rum, as I said, and it had been brought in since, uh, sorry, it had been brought in in 1655, so 1970, 31st of July, was the end to that, and it was noted down as Black Tot Day. Let's go much further back now, we're going to 1086, and the reign of William the First, William the Conqueror, the 1st of August. He was presented at Old Sarum, near Salisbury, with the first findings of the Doomsday Inquiry. Now, the Doomsday Survey, or the Doomsday Inquiry, which led to the Doomsday Book, which you can get copies of um, printed nowadays, was the first investigation into what the lands, if you like, of England held. And it was commissioned by William I to understand exactly what land there was, who owned it, cattle, you know, so you've got heads of cattle in there you've got what buildings were present and this wasn't just a benign task it wasn't just an interest in the country that he had commandeered it was in order to tax people so the first of august 1086 saw a convention convene at the at old sarum where william the first was actually presented with a smaller version of the doomsday book because um, the the main version wasn't ready and the royal chronicler recorded his council came to him there and all the landholding men of any account throughout england whosoever men they were and they all bowed to him and became his men and swore oaths of fealty to him that they would remain faithful to him against all other men so this was an exercise in control. It's the first time, unless you can give me another example of course, um, that people's privacy was beginning to be eroded, if you like. So if you, uh, you have 10 head of cattle, you have 10 head of cattle. There's and, and if someone then deems that for each one of those heads of cattle you need to pay a tax of X amount, then that's what has to happen. And so this is the first time I think in English history we see this um, invasion into everyone's personal property. Notwithstanding the fact that there was a small minority of the population who would have been landowning and William was ensuring that they would swear fealty to him, loyalty to him sun's gone in a bit now maybe it'll come out again in a bit <laughs> uh, so I've already mentioned that it was also in this week that Henry Seventh, as Henry Tudor left France where he'd been exiled with 1500 troops and he was heading to Wales he would land at Milford Haven and make his way through Wales where he was hoping to gather more troops more support and to uh, meet Richard III's troops and that culminated in the Battle of Bosworth, so I will cover that on the 22nd, uh, in the the episode that covers the 22nd of August, because that happened on the 22nd of August, 1485. And our final story for this week, the 1st of August, 1714, Queen Anne, the final Stuart monarch, died at Kensington Palace. Her successor was a German-speaking Hanoverian prince called Georg. Anglicised to George, and he was our George I. This was the beginning of the Hanoverian dynasty. The uh, the successive Georges, which gave their name to the Georgian period. Although when I do my mini series, it'd be interesting to see that actually that wouldn't have happened if certain people hadn't died, etc., etc. Um, but yes, so the first George, George I, became the king. George favoured his home of Hanover over being in england he also only spoke german he spoke little english and these were to have big impacts on the move from uh, or toward a constitutional monarchy because it's under george i that the power of parliament grew now he had come to the throne because he was the nearest living protestant in the line of succession. Catholics having now been barred from becoming monarch of Britain. Now, not to gloss over George's life too quickly, but what I think you might find interesting is he is the most recent British monarch to not be buried in Britain. So he you won't find him at Westminster Abbey, you won't find him at St George's chapel in Windsor, for instance. He actually died of a stroke on the way back to his native Hanover, and that is where he is buried thank you so much for joining me for this episode of This Week in British History. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure you've subscribed. Share it with your friends if you think they'll enjoy it as well. That would be fabulous. But in the meantime, until next week, take care, have fun. I'll see you soon.